there. Welcome to Football with Grant Wall. Thanks so much for joining me. Today's interview guest is Jack Harrison, the Leeds United and former NYCFC player who's in a solid run of form lately in the Premier League. We've had some great guests lately, including John Berman, Brendan Aronson, and Pia Sundhaga. I also encourage you to check out my new podcast series, American Prodigy, The Freddie Adu Story. All eight episodes are out, and you can binge all of them to your heart's content. Now, here's my interview with Jack Harrison. Our guest now is Jack Harrison, the former New York City and Wake Forest player who's now excelling for Leeds United in the Premier League. With five goals and four assists heading into Wednesday's game with Everton. Jack, it's great to see you again. Thanks for coming on the show. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I, I'll have the the listeners know you're wearing a, a New York Yankees hat. So it's nice to see you still always. representing. <laughs> exactly. I always have to represent where I can. <laughs> now, I, this interview comes out on Thursday, but we're speaking on Monday. Um Your Leeds team just had a big 3-1 win at Leicester City. You scored for the second straight game. Your team had lost to this same Leicester team 4-1 earlier this season. What changed in your approach to this game that caused things to turn around for you? Um, I think with Marcelo, the amount of analysis work that we do, it's always difficult for teams to repeat results like that against us because... As a team, we always try to be as prepared as we can um, going into each game. So if there's you know, uh, a new system tactically or something like that, we, we'll know about it and we'll be prepared. And I think even in the, the, the second half of uh, when we played against Leicester, the first, you, you know, the first 10 minutes, I think they, they changed the, the formation and uh, we were disorganised for a little bit. But after you know, reviewing it earlier on in the week, we were able to adjust quite quickly once we knew what we were doing. Um, so it's just little things like that can, that can help us out to be prepared and kind of prevent results from happening like that again. I think the first time we played them, they, they scored some goals really early on. Um, and it, it, was, it was difficult for us to get back in the game and play our own game. Um, but yeah, we were able to, to, to do that. They made it very difficult for us. I'm not going to pretend it was an easy win, but... Um, they're a very good side, you know, that's why the, the, they are where they are in the table right now because of, they're a good side and they've been doing well. So it was a big challenge for us and we knew that going into the game and um, yeah, we knew we had to be our best to, to beat them. You guys are on a good run right now. Uh, had a nice win against Newcastle. Uh, you've scored in two straight games now personally. You're on pace to score more goals in a season than you have since you moved back to England a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Is there any particular reason for that from your perspective? I think, I, I, I don't know. If you see how I am every day in, in training, I'm always trying to um, improve where I can. And I know looking back at my season so far, there's no reason why I shouldn't have 10 goals already this season. And um, with the amount of chances that I've had, I know I've missed some some things here and there, uh, which you know is normal as a player. But I knew that you know coming into the second half of the season, okay, I really need to to concentrate on getting my stats higher, whether it's goals and assists. And um, I've been trying to put you know a, a, maybe approach it a little bit differently. I think sometimes I put maybe too much stress and pressure on myself to to score. 
and it can end up being detrimental at times and um you know i i get myself too worked up but uh i've been trying to approach it a little bit differently and you know obviously having two goals in the last two games is is good but i'm just trying to stay level-headed and not get too complacent and just keep taking it game by game and we'll see where i am at the end of the season I have to admit, by the way, I was not expecting Patrick Bamford to have 11 goals and be near the top of the Premier League Golden Boot race. But there he is. I, what have you seen him doing to exceed everyone's expectations scoring goals? Well, I think, you know, as a player, uh, when I first went to Middlesbrough, actually, you know, I, you saw it straight away in him. He's he's a goal scorer. That's what he does. He he finds chances where, you know, the slim chances and he makes something out of nothing, you know. And we've always seen, I've always seen it with him play, playing at Middlesbrough and then coming to Leeds as well. He always shows it in training. Some of the goals he scored is, you know, he, he's a fantastic striker. And I think in the last couple of seasons in the championship at, at Leeds, he had a lot of stick from fans and... um it's difficult, and I, and I never really understood why he he got so much stick because in the last season in the championship he he scored sixteen goals, which is you know an incredible achievement. But he was still continuing to get a lot of stick, and I'm just so happy for him now scoring, being in this position that he is in the Premier League, which is you know unheard of, obviously. But it's something that I've always seen since I've since I've played with him, and it's nice to see you know all the work that he's putting in is coming you know to fruition, and a lot of other people and fans are now realizing that you know he is a is a top striker. Now your fitness levels are amazing, and that comes through on the television. Just watching the way your whole team plays, the way you personally play, your ability to to get on the break, on the counter, and and score goals. And you look like you're breathing hard at the end, but like just the ability to do that is incredible. I, I know that comes with, with playing for Marcelo Bielsa. Are you fitter right now than you've ever been in your life? Yeah, 100%. Um, and I've learned a lot about being here, about fitness levels and how important it actually is to be at the top of your, your game fitness fitness-wise, and to be able to, to do that on the pitch. Um, I've learned a lot more about that side of the game than I ever have really. Um, you know, growing up, my, my career's always been about enjoying the football and, and you know, doing what you can do on the, on the pitch. But um, having this, this other side of the game now, being at the, you know, the highest level that you can physically is just as important as anything else. And, uh, I, I realized that when I first came to to Leeds and you know started to work with Marcelo and how important this side of the game was, and then I took it upon myself this last kind of summer to to step it up another gear to you know coming into the Premier League, you're going to be up against you know other people that are just as uh, physically fit as you, just as strong as you, and I, I knew that I had to be you know even more so this year. So I, I would try and do extras where I could and just to try and try and get ahead of you know anyone else so um yeah it's uh it's it's definitely it's tough being in this position you know working this hard and it's very demanding but ultimately you know it's good for you and uh you're going to put in that work if, if you know it's going to be good for not only yourself but for the team too what do you do to prepare yourself to get that fit as you head into a season playing for Bielsa. Before we started recording, you mentioned Murder Ball. If you could like explain to, <laughs> to the listeners what that's about. 
Yeah, well, I think the first thing is just running. Like we we do a lot of uh, work on preseason, just just running and just mentally getting yourself right to to want to run like that. You know, if if you don't run like that, then you, you won't play for for Marcelo. It's just as simple as that. So mentally, you have to prepare yourself to to, to be at that level and say, okay, yeah, I'm going to do this. Um, so it all starts on preseason, and then week in and week out, it's it's all the same and like I mentioned to you we have these these sessions called murder ball sessions which is um you know it varies it, it's 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 a game basically it can go 11 v 11 but everything has to be high intensity and 100% aggression and if you're defending you have to defend as hard as you can if you're attacking you have to attack as fast as you can and if the ball goes out of play, it's straight back into play again. And there's no fouls or anything like that, which is why <laughs> I think it's called murder ball. Um, but yeah, no, there's a lot of shouting from the coaches and everything. But it's the toughest session that I have ever done. And I think a lot of the lads will agree with me on this. It's the toughest session that you'll do as a football player. <laughs> I always find it interesting that people, a lot of times in the soccer world, seem to think that you can't be both fit and skilled and actually you can. I mean, like <laughs> it, it, it strikes me that you can use your superior fitness to help, help you achieve what you want, get things done, but also, you know, your technique still matters. Your skills still mm -hmm. matter. Is has that been your experience playing there? I, yeah, I, th I think it's, it's maybe a little bit different sometimes when you know I receive the ball and I'm one on one with the defender. If I've been running a lot previously, I'd I'd maybe try and play a bit more simple. I won't try and go one v one and anything like that. But I think in the in the long run of things, if you look at the ninety minutes, we run more than any other team. And I think you know when you run more, you're able to create more possibilities and you know ultimately able to to, to play better. You have a better chance of playing better as a team when everybody runs. Um, so that's kind of uh, the methodology we're kind of working around with um, this idea of being, you know, physically f fitter than any other team is just having these possibilities to, to ultimately play better. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's been so helpful for us. I think we, we first showed it in the first game of the season when we came against Liverpool, the champions of, of last year, and we were able to you know, outrun them and get three goals on them which score three goals which is you know unheard of against a team like Liverpool so um, we were able to kind of take them by surprise and I think that's what we've been trying to do so far this year is use it in our our advantage to um, to be able to, to score and do the things that we do on the pitch and with our style of play we can we can and our fitness levels we can do that. Now, Marcelo Bielsa is known as El Loco, the crazy man. He's, he's kind of a he's kind of a mythical figure in the soccer world, you know? Like great coaches like Pep Guardiola look at him as this sort of sensei type figure of mm -hmm. of respect. What are some of the things that you have learned about Bielsa? Well, I think me personally what I've learned from him is I'd say I've learned a lot of different things whilst I've been here um, I think the biggest thing for me as a winger which I think is really important is the the different movements that you can make to receive the ball and almost beat your de beat your defender without even you know receiving the ball and dribbling him you can make a run and get in behind him in a more dangerous position um, so learning all these different movements has, has been key for me as a winger 
Um, but I think, you know, the reason why a lot of these highly regarded coaches around the world consider him as, as the best is because of uh, how he perceives the game and the amount of detail that he puts into every little thing. It could be like we do exercises, for instance, and um, the way you pass the ball, it has to, you know, be in a certain way. It has to spin this way and not the opposite way. And the way you run, all the timings of everything, it's it's insane the amount of detail that you know you can put into one little action and it's all of these little actions that add up that he thinks about all of this in at one time so I think it's incredible to to see him work and to to learn from him in this kind of way because obviously it's it's unorthodox and but it, it, it works you know and, and it's so interesting to see how all these little things come together and as a player you can learn so much if you if you're smart you'd you'll take all of it on board and try to incorporate as much as you can. He's intense. Like, everybody tells me that. Like, what are some of the most intense things you've ever seen him be about and do? Um, <laughs> I think if you look at the sideline at any one of our games, you, you'll you'll have a good, good idea of how intense he can be. <laughs> um, he likes to, he obviously, very passionate about the game and... Um, you know, us as players and as a team doing things how he wants it to be, and if it if it doesn't go like that, then then you'll know about it. So, um, I think the next time you watch one of our games, maybe on Wednesday, maybe try and look at the sideline if you can, and, and you'll understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> has Has Bielsa ever gotten shown a personal side with you at all? It seemed like that happened maybe a little bit when you got promoted. I don't know if if that was a rare occasion or not. Yeah, I think it. I think it was a rare occasion. I think um, him and him as a manager, he, he works quite differently. I think um, in the past when I was in New York, say for instance, just to give an example, when I was with Patrick Vieira, he would you know put his arm around me. You could have you know go into conversations with him. You could have a personal relationship with him as well as you know, the professional side and him being your manager and all of that. But um, I think with Marcelo, he, he prefers to, to be quite distant. Um, so it's the, the, there's still like a mutual respect from the players and, and obviously with the manager, but you don't have the, the personal relationships. And I think it's just his preference. I, I understand that a lot of managers are different in in different ways, but, you know, it's, it's worked for us so far. So <laughs> um, we'll continue continue like this. <laughs> Let's take a quick break from our interview with Jack Harrison, and I'll ask you a question. Do you ever want to watch Spain's La Liga and get frustrated because it's not available on your cable or satellite system, or you have to overpay for an expensive streaming service? You should try a streaming service I use that I love. It's called Fanatis with a Z, and you can watch all the action from La Liga and other international leagues and tournaments live and on demand from your favorite device, whether it's a mobile phone, a tablet, or directly on your TV with the Fanatis app. You can also watch the top leagues from France, Brazil, and Argentina. Fanatis features channels you know, like BN Sports in English and Spanish, Gold TV, and many more. And it costs as little as $7.99 a month. 
If you'd like to try Fanatis for yourself, you can get a free week-long trial by clicking on the link in the episode description or by going to fntz.co slash grant hyphen fz. One more time, that's fntz.co slash grant hyphen fz. Thank you very much to Fanatis for sponsoring this episode. Fanatis, the world's largest stadium. I'm talking to you from New York right now. I was telling you we have a blizzard going on here. Uh, <laughs> I, I can say this. The fans here miss you. New York misses you. What do you miss about being in New York? Wow. Um, you put me on the spot there. <laughs> um, <laughs> I I always I always have a lot of friends from the US and you know around New York and I always say how much how much I miss being there and just just everything about the city I think the the energy that you get from from being around and that the fans bring to you the um everyone always talks about New Yorkers about being you know bad people and quite rude but they were always really <laughs> nice to me so <laughs> uh, so that yeah so that's I I don't know it's it's just being in the city and I think just experiencing that kind of lifestyle is, I don't know, it's, it's special. Like, this is why it's one of, considered one of the best cities in the world. So there's a reason why, it's, why it has that reputation. <laughs> nice. Um, I do want to get into your story just a little bit. You spent several years in the Man United Academy, and then at, at 14, you decided to move to Massachusetts, to, to the Berkshire School. What led... To that decision to come to the United States, um, I I only have my mum to thank for that. Really, um, she kind of uh, took a step outside of the box to uh, have a different approach to you know my career and my life um, than any other parent in the academy would. Really, I think it's so easy to get caught up in that, and be so narrow minded, and think, okay, yeah, I'm just going to stay in the academy and I'm going to make the first team, and then that's it. Nothing else is going to happen. Um, and she kind of uh, came away from this idea and was and was looking at other options for me if something bad was to happen if I had uh, you know a bad injury I couldn't play football again or there was so many kids go through that academy and there's only one one player out of each age group that make it to the first team and actually you know become you know, you know part of the first team there through what the standard procedure would be so right. all these kids they they leave the academy and they have nothing to fall back on and I think um that was the biggest thing for her is that I could go to the US I could continue to pursue my dreams of being a professional footballer but at the same time I could also gain a good education and um have something to fall back on if something didn't happen and I can only have her to thank really I the opportunity and um the experience that I've I had out in the U.S. is is uh, it's been incredible. I've been so grateful for it my entire life, and uh, I'll always have her to thank for it. <laughs> it's pretty incredible. You, I I know your your English. We view you as one of ours uh, because of your your past. I hope you're okay with that. Uh, That's completely fine with me. <laughs> and, and and so, I just find it fascinating that your pathway that that you would spend you know so many years in the man united academy and then what would feel like soccer in the united states had advanced enough that you could go and move your life to the united states and still get to where you wanted to be as a professional soccer player and that included spending a year 
in college soccer at Wake Forest. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you've heard this, that people kind of look down on college soccer and say like, oh, that's not what you need to do if you want to be a professional player. Mm -hmm. Well, you're sort of living proof. Now, you didn't stay four years, but you were there for for Mm -hmm. a year. You're proof that you can do that. Um, Mm -hmm. What was your experience like at at Wake Forest? It was the perfect stepping stone, really, I think. Obviously, going playing at high school, uh, high school soccer at Berkshire School and uh, with BlackRock uh, Academy playing in these different tournaments and then also Manhattan Soccer Club as well. Um, Played a lot of different tournaments and regionals and nationals with them and then I think it was almost like a too big of a jump to to go straight into the MLS so it's not the reason why obviously Wake Forest was a fantastic opportunity again for me to go from Berkshire school and so um yeah it was the the standard was obviously really good at Wake Forest and I, I was able to learn a lot whilst I was there too um whilst continuing to to meet new people and from all over and also you know have uh, a good education as well so it was an incredible opportunity I've, I will always be grateful for them for providing me with that opportunity um although it was short-lived it was um it, it was very good for my development and you know going from from Berkshire to Wake Forest and and then to New York it was Almost like I said, the perfect stepping stones for for me to um, not getting you know not down too much, but to continue my growth and my development as a as a football player. Do you still stay in touch with anybody from your NYCFC days? Yeah, there's uh, obviously with Instagram and everything now, we're able to to keep in touch. I know there's been a lot of changes in the in well recent months or years with New York City, but um, yeah, I like to keep in touch with everyone where I can. How are you holding up in general with all of these games and there's the virus, which is still in a, in a bad spot and just sort of the, you know, the nonstop playing style that you have at Leeds United. How are, how are you holding up? I, I try to be as positive as I can about the situation. I know with coronavirus, it, it can be difficult at times, but I think as a player, I have to say, you know, I'm, I'm lucky to be in this position. I'm lucky to continue, you know, working and playing football and it's, you know, a, a pleasure to to do that. And I know that there are a lot of people around the world that are in difficult situations where maybe they're not able to, to continue working or they can't do certain things or or whatever it may be. So I, I always find myself quite quite fortunate to be in this position to to continue playing football and continue providing, you know, entertainment for people all around the world. Just to end up here, I, it looks like, I don't want to get ahead of things, it looks like you guys are going to stay up. Uh, yeah, you've got a gap now uh, that's, that's grown a little bit. Um, and, and you've already shown that your team can compete with anyone in that league. How good do you think Leeds could be moving forward, even even into next season? I don't think there's any saying, really. I think we, we always try to, to break our limits. I think with, um, you know, a lot of people doubted us saying oh you can't last the season with Marcelo you're not going to make it to the Premier League and then now we're here you know we're uh, we've had a, a really good start to the season first, first half of the season has been great um so we if we can keep building upon this I, I don't there's no real saying where you know wh- where Leeds can go I think obviously I think a lot of Leeds fans around the world are, are so happy to see 
was back in the, the Premier League already, but I think they want to, you know, try and push for European football as well. And, you know, that's, you know, obviously in, in, in the sight of a lot of Leeds fans and I think a lot of the players too, it'd be a dream come true to play, you know, some Euro- European football these next few years. Well, it's been a blast to watch you guys. I think the neutral fans, I know you, you have lots of Leeds United fans, but even neutral fans really like mm-hmm. watching you guys play. And uh, I think that that speaks well for you guys. Jack Harrison is excelling for Leeds United in the Premier League. Five goals and four assists heading into Wednesday's game with Everton. Jack, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Football with Grant Wall. I'd like to thank Jack Harrison as well as producer Chris Whittingham. If you like the podcast, you could do me a huge favor and hit that subscribe button and provide a rating and a review. I'm back soon with another interview of someone from the soccer world. Be safe, everyone. See you next time.